parfait. So we're making our way through the groups, and this is an exciting one today. Group C, we've not had a draw on this one yet, so it's Scotland notably need a big, big result here up against uh, Brazil, who, who just don't look themselves. There's a little bit of a sort of, like a sexier version of Ireland's uh, put them under pressure, pressing type situation going on with Brazil at the moment. How will it work out for them? Dave, you're going to take us through Brazil-Scotland. Yeah, we've talked plenty about how um, I suppose Brazil's style maybe has evolved over the past few years, maybe away from the from the samba samba style a bit towards something a bit more pragmatic. But it's very much business as usual for Brazil in the first two games as they they edge out two wins, so they're they're qualified going into the final game against Scotland. Scotland, on the other hand, still very much up in the air, and they basically need at least a draw to to um to stand the chance of qualifying and probably a win. So going into this game, Brazil. Maybe surprisingly, up to to drop the the striker who scored the winner in the second game against Costa Rica, Muller to the bench, uh, Romario coming in for his first start at the tournament. Scotland go with five at the back and also bring in Ali McCoy to the team. Brazil don't really need to do an awful lot, and as as is the style of Brazil teams in recent years, they kind of do just about enough. They they have chances. Romario has a couple of chances. They're, they're very much game seems to be ticking down to a draw. Scotland obviously still in with a chance at this stage when basically a, a comedy of errors leads to a um, collision between um, Jim Layton and Roy Aiken leads to uh, the ball breaking for, for the substitute Muller to uh, slot the ball into an empty net. Jim Layton got a little bit of go for this one if I remember correctly as well. He, he doesn't seem to have, the blame seems to have been largely attached to him which is, which is probably a bit harsh I thought. I know he, he doesn't Crum's having a massive amount of glory with the effort, but he, he does get to it. And, you know, as I said, it, you can see from this, the sort of onrushing, the pressing from the strikers. I mean, you've got two quick as, as anything strikers there uh, charging onto the rebound. So I suppose he, he should know in advance he has to hold on to absolutely everything or at least push it far away from goal. Very, very heartbreaking for the Scots as well. Unlucky in at the near post like that. And like another couple of yards rolling out and that looks like a very difficult effort for, for Muller to slot back in. Mo Johnson comes in as well. And, and this, is, this is kind of a battle between the two best strikers in the world, according to, as you mentioned, Ali McCoyst and whoever else said Muller was one of the best strikers in the world. Muller scores his effort inside the box. And Mo Johnson, as, as I mentioned, misses a, a bit of a sitter from, from about six yards. Tafferel saves it well, but I think that's decided. Muller over Mo, Mo Johnson, I'm afraid. Mm. Sorry to all the Mo Johnson fans out there. And sorry to, to Ali McCoyst. So Brazil in good position. That's looking pretty bleak for Scotland then. Sweden, Costa Rica is up next. Turnock, you take us through this one. This one's fairly straightforward in that Sweden need to win and probably win by a couple. Uh, Costa Rica, a win will send them through as well. So a kind of, I suppose, an, er- an early taste of knockout football. One of the things I kind of like about these 24-team World Cups is that it does, it does leave everyone in with a chance, typically going into the last game. I've noticed that the last few World Cups a lot of teams have already been eliminated after the first two games, and I think that's, uh, I think that's, uh, it kind of takes away from it a little bit. Um, but yeah, Costa Rica, Bora Milutinovic, manager, says even though they, they really only need a draw to go through, they are going to go for it. Uh, the Swedes have no option but to go for it. 
manager Nordin has been has been stung by criticism of his lineup, so he's gone to a very offensive three five two. Stromberg has come in after two excellent substitute appearances, and Ekstrom is also up front. And those changes pay off because the Swedes hit the front after 32 minutes when Ekstrom follows up Schwarz's free kick. It's parried out uh, by Canejo, and Ekstrom finishes very well. So Sweden at that point very much still in the World Cup and possibly in the, in the mix for the next round, but they lose Brolin through injury a few minutes later. While they keep pressing and do keep creating chances, Canejos just seems to be unbeatable in the Costa Rican goal. Time ticks by, gets to half time at 1 0. Second half, same pattern. Costa Rica not really contributing a huge amount. Sweden just being constantly frustrated. But then there is absolute disaster for the Swedes on 74 minutes when Cayasso's free kick from the right is headed past Ravelli by the sweeper Flores. Again, it's, it's kind of a near post. He meets it at the near post a fair bit out and it goes across Ravelli to the far post. Not being hugely, hugely impressed in retrospect by some of the goalkeeping in this tournament today. And I am sick to death of this goalkeeper. I would be fighting him at halftime. There's no getting away from that. I would be swinging punches at that guy. This is a standard stay for an established international goalkeeper. I know it's kind of fashionable now to slag off Packy Bonner and say he wasn't in fact one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But Based on the competition, um, I think that that claim kind of holds up quite well. The Swedes, understandably, just have to go for it now. They push up fairly suicidally. They have a couple of chances, but then uh, the substitute Medford for Costa Rica runs onto what's really just a headed clearance. He's through the middle of, of a pretty much vacant defence in no time, and he finishes slightly oddly past Rivelli um, from the edge of the box. And that's it. Costa Rica celebrate wildly 2-1 sends them through to the next round with their first appearance at the world cup again costa rica to some extent only really qualified because mexico were mexico were banned from this competition and costa rica got a walkover against them in qualifiers but they've been very impressive they've been very enterprising and attacking and they well deserve and um, their place in the second round sweden home early to get the immersion on for euro 92 in sweden one of the more unusual sights in this tournament is the old pitch invader with the Viking hat and the pink shorts gets on there, presumably Swedish, if he's got the Viking hat on. I imagine that I imagine Swedish people hate that. That's the equivalent to the jingly paddy hats that, that you know, yeah, but- the Irish got on here. You'd just be like, fuck's sake. Yeah, well, at least Swedish or he's wandered off the Viking splash tour. Anyway, that's one of, one of two things that could happen. Brolin, you mentioned, takes an absolute beating in this game as well. Uh, uh, comes off injured, as I said, uh, around or just after halftime. And, and that seems to have been something that's quashed. I mean, we mentioned a lot of the things that changed after this tournament. Obviously, the, the two points, three points thing, the passing back to the goalkeepers to, to make it a bit more interesting. But this kind of kills off, uh, I would imagine, a... a quite a few managers who would have had really pragmatic styles of football and maybe not a whole lot else in their locker because I think, did we talk about this with Maradona as well? He, he took a kick in, in quite a few games. He generally does. But I mean, clearly there's, a, there's an idea there that, you know, take it, it still happens. You look at the Dutch in, in that World Cup 2010, was it against Spain, where they're click, kicking everybody. But I suppose this stops you kicking the one playmaker in the same sense. Not completely, but there's a bit of an evolution, I suppose, in the next few World Cups. They're certainly cracking down on kicking the shit out of these lads. And, and yeah, it, it probably quashes a, a fair few managers from 
going on and having careers after this, I would say. I mean, that's, that's the football for today. It's, it's essentially decided. Scotland out. Uh, I'm not sure the overall reaction would have been that they were that heroic. Um, I mean, they're essentially out. I think they can hold on for it. They can still go through, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, need to, they need other results to go their way, making them one of the better place, third-place teams. But it, I don't think, bar the second game, I mean, as I said, they were booed in the first game you know cheered in the second game I wouldn't say they got quite as much guff here and that they held on I think overall the Scottish feel that they, they probably should have qualified from this group and they can be very very disappointed with the managers and the, and the players efforts At the moment it's all eyes on Scotland what's the message tonight well, There you are mate better late than never plucky Jim will be Andy's Andy man against Brazil and a month ago, you got to remember, Nick, that Jim's life was in ruins, wasn't it? Dropped from the cup replay, and better late than never. One month, and he could be the hero of the nation. I hope he is, Jim. Keep Thanks a lot. clean sheet. That's all you got to do, Jim, lad. Keep a clean oh. sheet. OK, that's the message. Back to you, Elton. Alamel shot. Good save by Leighton. Correct is it on the rebound. Let's have a look at what's happening elsewhere then. Um, we're, not, we're not far now until we have to, to jump into Ireland Netherlands. So how's everybody holding up, Sherlock? It's questionable whether everybody is holding up because on the, I think we kind of flagged it in a, a previous episode, but this is the day when Eamon Dunphy, who's been kind of parachuted across to to Italy to confront Jack Charlton and does so in a press conference. Uh, Charlton refuses to engage with him and he walks out of the press conference. Um, that's pretty much, again, if, there, if there's a contender for the Saipan of 1990, it's this instant because this is the one that excites the most, the most comment on a non-footballing related matter. But I think the public is overwhelmingly with Jack Charlton. Dunphy, while he has some very valid points, I think is seen largely as a troublemaker. Does does he start to gain a bit of a few apostles? I'd have thought at this point, uh, Dunphy, because you're always going to have those who believe a little bit of what he's saying. Obviously, Giles is is one of those people as well. But Giles is very no grey area. I imagine there's got to be a little bit in the press who certainly at this point and how Jack reacts in that press conference, as he said, leads to it becoming a whole lot more, even those who believe probably that he should be allowed to ask a question. For those who don't know, we, we kind of highlight it, but he gets thrown out. He essentially, Jack refuses to, to answer any questions and says to Dunphy, you're not a proper journalist. Uh, even though, realistically, I, I don't think that's really Jack Charles' place to say because he's been criticised, but um, he, he surely, the, the incident blows up a lot more because of Jack Charles' reaction, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's interesting, actually, the, the NUJ, the National Union of Journalists, way, journalists weighs in and says... As, as you just said, it's, it's not Jack Charlton's uh, place to say who is and isn't a journalist. Eamon Dunphy is a fully paid up member of the NUJ and they issue a, a statement in defense of him, which is entirely fair, entirely reasonable. The Soccer Writers Association of Ireland takes a slightly different tack and uh, appears very peeved at Eamon Dunphy as, as they see it, um, kind of ruining it for everyone else. But uh, yeah, I won't name the individual involved there, but uh, those in the know might be able to guess. But yeah, as for the football itself, um, there is a little bit of, it's kind of crowded out into a very peripheral position by the, the, Dunphy, the Dunphy show. But uh, Andy Townsend 
says Ireland have nothing to fear from, from the Netherlands. He thinks they've played very badly to date, which they have actually. He doesn't see them improving overnight. And then he says, if anything, they'll be more concerned about not losing than we are. So he's already using the, if anything, formula by 1990, long before he deploys it in his punditry career. Packy Bonner says Ireland are, are a lot more confident against the bigger teams. So, you know, he's, he's more confident of a better performance um, in this game than we had against the Egyptians. And also, it was interesting, Tech, when you ran through the, the Ireland striking options on a previous episode, you didn't mention Frank Stapleton because I think everyone forgot he was actually in the squad. He's desperate to get in the game, in the team, or at least the squad for this game. Um, but I think his chances of featuring are, are pretty much nil. Um, he's, he's very much yesterday's man. And while he, while he did make a few appearances in qualifying, again, it's, it's kind of more as a, a tribute to his record that he's been brought along. Leo Bainhacker, the Dutch coach, is late placing all the blame for the Egypt-Ireland game being such a non-spectacle on Egypt. Um, he says they're impossible to play against. He has a lot of sympathy for Ireland. And in a, a possible elaborate double bluff, uh, Ronald Koeman is urging Jack Charlton not to drop John Aldridge because he says uh, Aldridge is a player he really fears based on their, their encounters in the Spanish League. <laughs> An absolutely woeful attempt of mind games from Koeman there. <laughs> Elsewhere in, in uh, some non-football news, there is the historic discovery of asteroid Eureka. For those into their astrology, that is uh, the largest member of the Martian Trojan asteroid family, which I did not know existed. And I probably won't comment much more on, or lest I show how uh, absolutely inept I am when speaking about astrology. Is that our lot for today's news? Have we got a little bit more from Ireland? We've uh, some slightly more down-to-earth uh, news. Ireland has just introduced the new one-pound coin. Um, up until this point, we had a one-pound note. Uh, more street traders are, are not welcoming this, the advent of this coin. They say their, their aprons are totally weighed down. Um, but buskers are happy it won't blow away. Um, so the heralds decide to, to do a piece on, on the relative value of, a, of one pounds now as compared to 10 years earlier when you could get a pint for between 64 and 67p. Now they say you'd be lucky to get one for under 150. And um, just one oh. other thing about the, <laughs> one other thing about the one pound note. Years later, my dad got a secondhand jacket and he could feel in the lining that there was a whole wad of rolled up notes in it. And he was absolutely thrilled. He couldn't wait to like, I, I think he actually wrecked the jacket. He ripped the lining open <laughs> with a Stanley blade. And he was convinced he was going to be rich. And it turned out it was about 15 one pound notes, which weren't even legal tender anymore. <laughs> but, well, I was thinking, he's thinking to himself, I could buy, you know, not a secondhand jacket, just a new jacket now. And then, fuck, I better just go buy another secondhand jacket. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. Tomorrow we go back to group E and F for the conclusion. So it's going to be a busy day tomorrow, probably a longer podcast than this, you know. South Korea versus Uruguay, Spain versus Belgium. And then, well, the big ones, it's, it's all very tight in our group. England face Egypt and Ireland. Uh, will they play John Aldridge to terrorise Ronald Koeman? We'll have to find out. Ireland versus Netherlands, looking ahead to that tomorrow. I didn't uh, stop him sitting and listen to the questions that were being asked. I just wouldn't answer the question from him. Can he comment why that is so? Well, I don't like him. And I don't have to work with people I don't like. I've been a journalist for 12 years. I've written best-selling books. No. No, just New York Times, that's selling. I think he's a bit that little man.